Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the return of Jesus Christ as we pick up in Revelation chapter 10, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Revelation chapter 10. We have been going through the trumpet judgments, the catastrophes that they have brought upon the earth. Now for a moment, we leave the trumpet judgments after the sounding of the sixth. And before we read of the events at the sounding of the seventh, John gives us now a little insight into a yet future event And that is the coming of Jesus Christ to the earth to claim that which he purchased. Jesus paid the price of redemption. He redeemed the world so that it would be God's once again. It was originally God's by creation. God gave it to man. Man gave it to Satan. So that Satan is called by Jesus, the prince of this world, by Paul, the God of this world. Satan offered the world to Jesus if he would only bow down and worship him. But Jesus came to redeem the world, but the price was his life, the shedding of his blood. So we are redeemed not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But yet he has not taken possession of his purchased possession. In Romans chapter 8, Paul tells us that all of creation is groaning and travailing together until now, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, to wit, the redemption of our bodies. Redemption is not yet complete. But in the meantime, Paul told the Ephesians that God has sealed us with the Holy Spirit, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. In Hebrews, the writer said that God has put all things in subjection unto him, but we do not yet see all things in subjection. The world is still in rebellion against him. It hasn't been brought yet into his power under his reign. Now, God has put all things under him, but we don't yet see them there. But we do see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. So we and all creation grown together, waiting, travailing for that glorious day when the Lord will come and claim that which he purchased, that which belongs to him. Yes, we rejoice in the Holy Spirit now and the power of the Spirit in our life which sustains and keeps us until that day that he comes. But we're really waiting anxiously for the full redemption and for the Lord to reign. And that's been our prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in this earth even as it is in heaven. Now, chapter 10 gives us a little insight into that coming of the Lord to establish now the fact that the earth is his 
and to begin his reign. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, all they that dwell therein. And God said unto him, Ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Psalm 2. So here he comes to possess that which he purchased. I saw another mighty angel. The word angel is messenger. Coming down from heaven, his description would be that of Jesus Christ, clothed with a cloud. Behold, he cometh with the clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him shall mourn. So he's coming with clouds. He's clothed with a cloud and a rainbow about his head. The rainbow, the covenant of God, which is about the throne of God, is now about the head. And his face was as it were the sun, as we read in the first chapter of Revelation, John's description of Jesus, and his feet as pillars of fire, also in chapter 1. And he had in his hand a little book that was now open. Remember this scroll that was in heaven or book with seven seals? No man was worthy to take the scroll or loose the seals. We found that it was the title deed to the earth. Now having opened the seven seals, the book is now open. He comes with the open book in his hand. The book of authority, the right and the title to the earth, which he has purchased by his blood. In the little book that is open, he set his right foot upon the sea, his left foot upon the earth, and he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now, this glorious shout of the Lord, the shout of triumph, the shout of, of, of victory, I, I can hardly wait, comes with a shout of victory. And, and this is recorded actually in many of the Old Testament prophecies, this coming with, with the shout. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 25, and there in verse 30, the Lord shall roar from on high, utter his voice from his holy habitation. He shall mightily roar upon his habitation. He shall give a shout as those who tread grapes against all of the inhabitants of the earth. And in uh, Hosea chapter 11, and verse 10, Hosea also makes reference to it. They shall walk after the Lord. He shall roar like a lion. And when he shall roar, then the children shall tremble from the west. And in the book of Joel, chapter 3, verse 16, we are told the Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth shall shake, but the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. And Amos also makes mention of it. And he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. And when he cried, the seven thunders uttered their voices. Now, John said, when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. That is what the voices said. And I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and don't write them. So, 
We don't know what the seven thunders uttered. <laughs> uh, we'll have to wait for that. Uh, so God has left some of the things unspoken of the future. And uh, just what are uttered by the seven thunders is, is, is something that we just don't know. And any attempt to declare what has been uttered or even to speculate is wrong, whether or not they would be judgments or blessings or whatever, uh, we, we can't even speculate on this. We just don't know. Where the Bible is silent, it's best that we remain silent, not try to guess or to... The Lord said to John, just seal it up, don't write those things. So we'll find out one of these days. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and he swore by him that lives forever and ever who created heaven and the things that therein are and the earth and the things that therein are and the sea and the things which are therein that there should be no longer a delay. Time no more is literally a delay no more. We have been waiting. The church has been waiting for the Lord to come and establish his kingdom. The Bible encouraged us to patience in our waiting. Have patience, brethren, James said. Establish your souls, for the Lord is waiting for the perfect or complete fruit of harvest. Peter said that this delay of the Lord would cause some people to scoff. And in the last days, scoffers will come saying, Ah, where's the promise of his coming? Since our fathers have fallen asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning. But Peter said, God is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness. But a day is as a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is as a day. And know ye that this delay is really, re it's for redemption purposes that more people might come in and be a part of the body of Christ. So the Lord, to us it would seem, has delayed his coming. But he's got a purpose in it. But even as the Lord waited patiently during the days of Noah for a hundred years before he sent the flood, so the Lord waits patiently now. But the day of the Lord, Peter said, shall come. You can be sure of it. And uh, so at this point, there is the declaration, there is to be no longer a delay. Now, there are some who object to the angel being identified as Christ because of this verse the fact that he swore by him that lives forever and ever who created the heaven and the things and so forth and the lesser swears by the greater. And Christ being the creator, why would he then swear by him that creates? Well, we are told in Hebrews that God, because he wanted to establish his promises, because he could swear by no greater, swore by himself saying, in blessing, I will bless thee. Now, a man many times to establish the credibility of his word will take an oath. I swear by my mother's honor. 
I swear on a Bible, you know. And, and man will take an oath in order to establish the credibility of his word. And, and he swears by something higher than himself. You don't say, I swear by my pet dog. Your dog may be a liar. <laughs> so you swear by something higher than yourself. Now, when God wishes to establish an oath or establish a, a promise with an oath, he can't swear by any higher. So he swears by himself, we're told in Hebrews. So I find no difficulty in the swearing by him, that because again, being the Lord, he can swear by no higher, so he swears by himself that this is it. There shall be a delay no longer, that the time has come for the establishing of the kingdom, and there will be no more delay. This does not mean that Time no more as far as watches, clocks, days, months, almanacs, and so forth. It means that there is to be no more delay before the kingdom is established. In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God will be complete, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. Now, as we go back to God's declarations to the servants, the prophets, we find that God has promised the glorious kingdom that shall come, God's kingdom upon the earth, and the wonders and the glories of that kingdom as the lion and the lamb will lie down together, a little child shall lead them. The lion will eat straw like the ox and... and uh, there are just so many things. The lame will leap for joy. The blind will behold the glory. And the dumb will sing forth praises unto God. Just the glorious restoration of the earth. You see, you do not see the world that God created, nor do you see the world that God intended. The heavens declare the glory of God. The earth shows forth his handiwork. Day unto day they utter their speech, night unto night, their voice goeth forth. There's not a speech nor a language where their voice isn't heard. God intended that man would come to the knowledge of him through nature. Rational man looking at nature is brought to the awareness and the consciousness of God. Irrational man worships nature rather than the creator of nature. But a rational man in looking at creation is brought to the consciousness of God. But living in a highly urbanized area, the fields are covered with buildings or with black asphalt or freeways. The flowers, the trees destroyed, replaced by the works of man's hands. The skies become polluted and clouded with the Smoke of man's industry, the pollutants that are placed in the air so that we don't see the crystal blue skies too often, only after a rain or strong wind. So God's message to man becomes muddled. We don't really understand God as he would have us to understand him through nature anymore. 
Man loses the consciousness of God as he becomes all absorbed in the works of man and the works of man's hands. And we lose that awareness and consciousness and awe of the Creator. That's why it's so helpful to take a vacation. So helpful to go to the beach or go to the mountains, go skiing. It's good for you. If nothing else, it allows you to see nature in a pure form. And as you see it, God can speak to you of his existence. I have no argument with the man who says, I find God in nature. I do too. He's revealed himself in nature. But we must realize that even the nature itself is not what God intended it to be. It's not as God created it. God did not intend that our water supplies become so polluted. God did not intend that the atmosphere become so polluted. That's all of the result of man and man's works. So we don't get a clear picture of God from nature any longer. But it'll be restored you'll see the world as God intended it to be. Man is fallen. Man is governed basically by greed. And thus, he is not as interested in his neighbor. He isn't so concerned in the welfare of others. He's concerned with his own welfare. And thus, we do not see man as God intended man to be and man to live. We see the greed of man as he seeks to hoard for himself and take from others. And we see those then are, that are deprived because of the greed of others. Those that have money and spend it lavishly upon themselves. Buy dresses for $23,000 or some ridiculous, stupid thing. Wear diamonds that cost $100,000. It's just ridiculous when people are in such need. So you don't see man living as God intended man to live, the sharing of the resources. But we will. When his kingdom comes, we'll see then what God intended the earth to be and we'll see how God intended man to live. In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, then the mystery of God will be complete. As he has declared to his servants, the prophets, and the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again. And he said, go and take the little book that is open in the hand of the angel which stands upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and I said unto him, give me the little book and he said unto me, Take it, eat it up, and it will make thy belly bitter, but it will be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey, and as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. The idea is devour the book, devour the contents, and we sometimes use that term. Well, he really devoured that book, you know. 
in reading it. Glorious what's going to be. Glorious when the kingdom comes. Glorious when Christ lays claim to that which he purchased. But the bitterness is the awful convulsions that the earth will have to go through before the kingdom comes. So when you read the things that took place when the seals were broken, the judgments that came upon the earth, that's a bitter pill. But the sweetness, of course, is, is the, the hope of that kingdom when it is established, the fact that he has taken his power and now reigns. And then he said unto me, that is to John, you must prophesy again before many people and nations and tongues and kings. So there was given to me a reed like unto a rod, that is a measuring stick about the length of a rod. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those that worship therein. return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Revelation on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Revelation 10 through 11 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord cause his word to be established in each of your hearts and lives. And may you grow in grace and in knowledge of him. And may he, with his cords of loving kindness, just draw you unto himself, that you may ever experience a richer, fuller, deeper comprehension of that love that God has for you, his child. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. As Easter is approaching, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is on the hearts of Christians everywhere and how they might witness this beautiful story to their loved ones. With this in mind, The Word for Today would like to present a special MP3 entitled My Redeemer Lives that includes 14 reassuring messages to answer the significance of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ 
and a life that should bring hope to everyone. Also included is a special presentation of the crucifixion from a doctor's perspective, as well as a powerful salvation message shared by Pastor Chuck. And when you order My Redeemer Lives MP3, we'll include a free CD by Pastor Chuck to witness to your loved ones that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. This CD, entitled A Risen Love, clearly presents the evidence to help others make a decision that will impact their immediate and eternal future. For more information, contact The Word for Today at 800-272-9673 or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.